last month, uh, officer Derek Chauvin was stabbed 22 times in prison. Uh, the story was gut-wrenching. We learned so much. His poor family didn't even get notification regarding the stabbing. And then the inmate involved is allegedly somebody who has ties with the Mexican mafia and allegedly was also a FBI informant prior. So all of this was quite interesting when I was going through the reports. And so I reached out to the FBI regarding these alleged um, ties with the FBI and gangs. And I asked the FBI specific questions. You see in this email that we have here, in the email, I specifically spoke to the agency and asked them questions such as, when was the last time they spoke with the suspect? Uh, when was the last time he worked with the FBI? And um, several other questions. Unfortunately, FBI, who normally actually does get back to me regarding these types of concerns, uh, didn't. And so uh, I'll follow up and continue to follow up. But it's it's quite devastating to see that Derek Chauvin is, uh, his life is at risk. This inmate almost murdered him and was going to murder him. And right now he has been released and he's sitting back in that same prison. There's not enough outrage behind this story, but there is a new documentary that just recently come out that's exposing the truth as to what happened to Derek Chauvin and what happened during the incident regarding George Floyd. I want to bring in Liz Collin. Liz is the producer and the journalist behind this great documentary. It is called The Fall of Minneapolis. Liz, thank you for being here. We greatly appreciate your time. Thank you very much for having me on to, to talk about this. Uh, there, I know there is a, a lot to talk about, certainly. Yeah, there is. And, and your documentary does a great job outlining the truths. It's really hard right now to go out there and to find uh, things like the 2019 body cam footage, which involved Floyd, uh, other pieces of evidence, uh, other angles from, from the incident regarding Chauvin's alleged knee being on, on George Floyd's neck. Uh, you can only really find that one angle and you've got multiple angles in your film. You've also got the reality of what the autopsy originally said. I know a lot of people tend to think that there was no fentanyl being involved. I know most people based on the mainstream media narrative didn't even know that was the case. And, and your film does a great job exposing that. Uh, Liz, based on your research for this piece and putting it together, what was the most outrageous part in, in all of this um, regarding Derek Chauvin's treatment by both local officials and federal officials? Yeah, I, I think that it all really starts where the film begins uh, in this. And, the, and you're right, that's the body camera footage uh, that people are really seeing if they're watching this uh, free documentary, which which I hope they do, but they're seeing it for the very first time. So they should wonder why was this kept from them in the first place? This is the very first time Minneapolis police uh, have not released uh, body camera footage related to a critical incident, uh, you know, such such as this. Instead, we're only allowed to see that uh, viral Facebook video. You have the FBI who is involved in this case within hours uh, of it happening on May 25th, 2020. And you have an 18 minute interaction in total uh, with George Floyd that includes so many very telling things that I do believe to this day, if they told the truth about, we simply would not be here having, having this very conversation 
conversation. Um, so, so that's how we wanted to, to start the film. You know, here's here's the video that, that you didn't see. Again, all four officers have their their body cameras rolling that day. Uh, they're not trying to, to hide anything either with, with what's going on with George Floyd. He's talking about how he can't breathe before Derek Chauvin arrives on scene. Uh, he himself is asking to be laid on the ground after refusing to comply again and again to get in the back of a, of a squad car. Uh, you have Thomas Lane captured on camera calling for an ambulance 36 seconds after George Floyd, uh, again himself, asks to be laid on the ground. So there are, there are many facts in in those um, 18 minutes that, that we really, like I said, so many people are seeing for the first time. Yeah, it's it's upsetting because I, I didn't actually know, uh, my, on my own behalf, even though I've covered the case prior, I didn't, under, I didn't realize that the uh, EMS and fire team that were responding to the call, uh, there was a lot of miscommunication issues and you've done a great job going over it. So for our audience, um, can you explain briefly, uh, you do a great job in the film and I recommend everyone going to the fall of Minneapolis.com to kind of view it all because you do a great job detailing it. But uh, what were some of the communications from that day uh, regarding fire's response to that call that was placed within 36 seconds? Yeah, these are all things that are captured on that body camera footage as well. But, you know, we talk about Thomas Lane calling for an ambulance in 36 seconds, and they're actually downgrading their force uh, on George Floyd. They're talking about this uh, maximal restraint technique known as MRT. Uh, that's a big part of the film as well, because we're told the day after that whatever these guys are doing out there, um, it's not a part of uh, training and policy. They've never heard of it before. Well, we know that that's uh, one of one of many lies, uh, but but yeah, you have the the ambulance uh, with such a problematic response. In fact, they uh, call again. Um, you have Tu Tau calling again for an ambulance to to get there, and then you have uh, the fire rig, which should have likely been there first because the fire station is just a, just a couple blocks away. Uh, they come in and they don't really even know what they're looking for about twenty minutes about twenty minutes later. Um, so you have a, a dispatcher who is is focused kind of as being a snitch. She herself calls uh, herself that, who seems to uh, then sort of uh, be the one to, to provide this miscommunication and lead to, to these uh, delays. And we, and we bring in some medical experts in the in the actual film itself, you know, sort of talking about even once they got there, uh, what was happening, you know, failing to hook up um, oxygen. Also, just they're driving to just a different location to get away from this crowd. But again, we're told in Derek Chauvin's trial that the crowd had nothing to do with, with anything there and they were just fine. So again, so many factors uh, that played a role that day. Yeah, yeah. Liz, you mentioned the MRT training. This was something that was widely disputed. Um, and you spoke with Derek Chauvin's mother, who during your interview actually brought the training manuals that that officer Chauvin had. And so he had record that this was involved. Uh, but Chauvin's not the only one making these claims. I'm going to play a quick soundbite from his colleagues who back his claims. We could get to that right now. Were you trained in MRT, the maximal restraint technique? Yes. 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 Yes, I was. Yes, we all were. Yes, all the police officers were trained in the MRT. Your police chief said on the stand that he didn't recognize that technique. Mm-hmm. I, I heard him say that. It's tough to hear people lie, just straight lie. And again, goes right back to, for me, the good and the bad, like the right and the wrong. And for you to be under oath and just straight lie. The amount of training that we go through, 
I mean, it's, it's consistent every single year. It's written down. It's on body cam. I mean, was that unfortunate? Absolutely. I know Derek Chauvin. It's, it's absolutely horrific what happened, the whole scenario. But did he do anything intentionally to make that happen? No, it was, it was all what we were trained on. Liz, it's pretty obvious that this training was being implemented properly. And it sadly was the, the jury was lied to during his court hearing. Um, when you when you talk to people about this, do you think that this is ever going to be used as means for potentially an appeal in the Supreme Court? Because I know recently there was just um, one of his shots at the Supreme Court was just shot down by SCOTUS. But I spoke with an attorney and they said it was very it wasn't very specific. So certain things like MRT could potentially be used. But do you really see that being brought forward again? Because I feel like that's a big part in all of this, because most people watching the video are outraged by it. But um, what, what's your takeaway from all of this? Do you think that Derek Chauvin has a chance by well, bringing up the MRT again? Yeah, I think um, there are a few legal maneuvers that I know the the team of attorneys they they are exploring now, and obviously that this stabbing is uh, has added another level, um, sadly sadly to all of this. But but you're you're right, the U.S. Supreme Court striking down uh, the appeal that was based on basically not providing a change of venue uh, in this case, and that was really the the focus. There's certainly a lot of things, you know, it's not so much what the jury was allowed to see, but what they were not. Uh, MRT being one of them. You know, we talk about the 18 minute interaction with George Floyd. The jury's allowed to see about 90 seconds uh, in total. They're, they're not allowed uh, to see much when it comes to George Floyd's criminal history, which uh, dates back decades, uh, as we know. But but yeah, I, I have heard that, the, you know, there, there could be something um, with with just that uh, MRT. But you not only have the, the police chief uh, on the stand under oath saying this is not a part of training, you have the head of training. Um, Katie Blackwell, who was an inspector at the time, she's promoted after all of this. She's the assistant uh, police chief in Minneapolis now, um, who also doubled down and said this was never a part of, of training. But again, I think this really sent the message to the Minneapolis Police Department, the officers who were even left at this time, obviously hundreds have left even since then, um, th that, uh, you know, th th the fact that these people can get away with this, uh, you know, really sends a pretty, a pretty frightening message, I, I think, to anyone who was left uh, on the force. Yeah, yeah. Liz, you have a pretty interesting angle in all this, too, because you're a member of the community. Uh, you worked in the area and, and so did your husband as well as a member of the police force as well. Um, do you think that Derek Chauvin even had a chance at getting a, a fair jury, not even in the area, but if they were to take his court, his case somewhere else in the country, do you think that the jury would have potentially felt the pressure given what was allowed during the 2020 riots to turn in a guilty verdict regardless of what evidence was presented in front of them? Yeah, you're right. Um, and, and this is sort of what has led me on this this path. I was a member of the, you know, I know we kind of share a similar background, mainstream uh, media before all of this, but really was so disgusted um, in, in the fact that 
you know, journalists turn into activists and nobody seemed to care about the, the facts. Uh, you're, you're right, my husband was a longtime Minneapolis uh, police lieutenant. He was serving as the union president when this all went down. So obviously I had some sort of insider information, but but really all of this is public information. This is not some uh, conspiracy theory that I've, that I've crafted. You know, I've been a reporter for, for 20 years. I sort of know how this works and where to go at this at this point to, to, to find out. But, but, but again, this is all things that the media um, decided to, to turn their back on and not properly inform the public. Instead, sort of pushing this poison and this this propaganda, which we're all still uh, paying the consequences to this day. Uh, you know, from you know, we're all I think less less safe than than ever before. But but I but to that point, I do think that the script was basically written very early on. Uh, so when you have Derek Chauvin's trial. Uh, coming ten months later, um, you know the, the the script in a way was was written for that that trial uh, b- before as well, and there was this uh, culture of fear uh, that permeated not only uh, Minneapolis, almost the entire state of Minnesota, I would say, and clearly that spread spread across the country. The you know the mob ruled the day in in you know Minneapolis, and I think that still continues to this day. Yeah, yeah, it's really upsetting. Um, And we're coming on an election year, which makes me very fearful that this will happen again. Um, Liz, your film does a great job at highlighting the autopsy report. Uh, We know that George Floyd had COVID. Uh, We know that he was on drugs that day, that he had it in his system. Uh, Fentanyl also played a role in this as well. And that one of his arteries was 75% clogged uh, or blocked would be the technical term. Uh, We also know that the FBI quickly swept in um, do you think when you're speaking to people, do you think that the FBI quickly stepping in and getting involved in this case uh, was the reason why or had any role in the autopsy report being uh, kind of downplayed when it came to all of these elements that potentially led to his death? Yeah, I get into even the autopsy even more uh, in the book that I put put out more than a year ago uh, called They're Lying, The Media, the Left, and the Death of George Floyd, which sort of led to this documentary that we wanted to to make uh, free and sort of give a voice to these people that have never spoken out before. But but you have the, uh, the autopsy of George Floyd conducted within 12 hours uh, of his death. They obviously had to wait a bit for toxicology results and, and such. But but you're right, three times the lethal limit of fentanyl in his system, methamphetamine is in his system. He also has a, a tumor that many have said re- required uh, more testing that you know w- was not done. Uh, but that autopsy is kept from the public for nearly a week. So keep in mind, this is before any buildings are burning in, in Minneapolis and, and nobody obviously had died in any rioting yet, uh, which which would come in, in the later, in, you know, the, the later days that would follow. Um, but I think that's the question here. Why why are there these meetings uh, back and forth between prosecutors? The FBI is also involved in, in those meetings, representatives, um, as this narrative changes in, in a way uh, with the, the medical examiner. And then you have this official autopsy by Dr. Andrew Baker in his own writing and such, but it talks about how um, if George Floyd is found anywhere else, this would be called um, an overdose. And also no strangulation marks, no asphyxia, nothing, you know, to, to support that his, you know, neck is basically crushed uh, on, on the pavement as, as people are are pe- people are watching, but but instead, this uh, autopsy is released the same day George Floyd's family releases uh, their own autopsy, uh, and the media touts that as an independent autopsy that comes uh, just hours after, you know, the the official autopsy. So that it sort of clouded uh, everything with just the timing of, of all of this, and 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 the way they were able to manipulate uh, the the message very early on. 
Yeah, yeah, it's all disturbing, but you you do a great job at outlining it in your book and your documentary. So I want to remind our audience, the film is free. I highly recommend everyone go watch it. If you even have a family member or friends like I do, I've got several family members who, who didn't believe me when I was saying all of these facts originally. Your film does a great job at breaking it down, bringing the evidence to life. And so I'd highly recommend our audience heading over to thefallofminneapolis.com, thefallofminneapolis.com. Liz, thank you so much for the work you've done. It's greatly appreciated because this needs to come out. We need to learn the truth about these these uh, controversial issues, sadly. And you know we're all praying for Derek Chauvin, and we really hope that he does see justice one day. He does get justice one day. Thank you very much. Again, appreciate your support. Thanks for having me on. After a long day of filming, I've got to somehow take off all this makeup, but make sure that I put the nutrients back into my skin that it desperately needs. So I found this new skincare line. I have to tell you all about it. Givaderm is all natural products. I use it twice a day. I use it in the morning and I also use it before I go to bed. First up, we have this clay cleanser. This is amazing because it takes up all of your makeup and it smells good too. Vitamin C is so important for brightening your skin. I also used to get super bad acne and so it's helping, um, I guess, kind of like blended my acne scars a little bit so they're not so bright anymore. Here it is, it's the vitamin C serum. Just little pumps and put it on. And then don't forget your neck. Now moving on to step three, that is their uplift serum. You don't have to do that much. So many times I get like these high-end products and I'm clogging my pores and you can see it. It's literally always around here and around my nose area. But for some reason, maybe it's just because it's natural and there's not all that garbage chemicals that are into it. It seems to clear it up so well. Step four, it's the bamboo mist. It feels so amazing on your skin. I mean, you could literally name all these products that are in it. Definitely also like a cooling. See? And then this one, it's called Nourish. It's like this amazing cream, super light. You don't need that much of it. And always make sure you get under the eye area, not in your eyes. Givaderm has done miracles for my skin. I highly recommend it to everyone, men and women, because guess what happens if you don't take care of your skin? It looks like you're aging quicker than what you really are aging. Natural products, all made in the USA. They don't support any of the garbage that comes out of China. It's not gonna be found in your products. I promise you that. You have to get this product. Click down the link below. Givaderm is the product name and the promo code for 10% off right now is Brianna. You guys, I've said it once before, so I'm gonna say it again. And under the Biden regime, I've never been more worried about my financial future. I called my good friend, Dr. Kirk Elliott, because I wanted to come up with a plan put in place to make sure I was secure. And he came up with a plan for me to invest in silver. I'm rich. I've got my silver. I'm feeling so much better about my future. I highly recommend you give him a call and just chat with his team. 720-605-3900. And you could also head over to his website if you'd like to schedule an appointment. It's kirkelliotphd.com slash Brianna. And if you enjoyed that segment, make sure you hit that like button. And if you want to see the news before it becomes the news, you have to subscribe to our channel. And well, if you have a liberal friend that you're looking to save, make sure you share this content with them.